I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? force among us that's what we are here today to find out we got a special treat for you he's a documentary filmmaker and investigative journalist and was a video producer for the u.s state department but he's currently with the new york post and has been making the most in-depth series about ufos that's out today and it's called the basement office and all the episodes to date they're available on YouTube. Please help me welcome Mr. Stephen Greenstreet. Stephen, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for taking the time today. What's this State Department thing? You worked for the State Department? I did. It's the most random thing ever. But yeah, <laughs> I had at one point, the U.S. government gave me a security clearance. I have no Whoa. idea why. <laughs> They absolutely should not have. <laughs> right. I'm the last person you want to give a security clearance to. Were you part of the Project Mockingbird where the recruited journalists to come work for them? Uh, no, it was not that rad. No, it wasn't <laughs> Dang. that cool. Dang. No, it was like, uh, so in 2009, I was unemployed uh the financial crisis i lost my job so i was like oh man like i should probably find something to do to get paid and the the state department obama was a new president and state department was had a new thing called america.gov it was like literally the website for america and they were hiring a bunch of like graphic designers video producers writers Etc. And I was one of the video producers they hired to make videos that told America's story. Uh, basically, look, I'm just going to say it was soft American propaganda. I like oh. that's, that's. I was hired to make soft American propaganda. Ooh, soft and, propaganda. <laughs> yeah, and so I made video series, you know, telling America's story with you know subtle embedded messaging. Uh, oh. To an international, our target audience was like international youth. And anyway, I had fun. Like I made some great stuff while at the State Department. I had no idea. that. Does that still exist? So, uh, yeah. So the bureau I was part of, IIP, uh, I think it's called the International Information Programs Bureau, still exists to this day. Their mission is more or less the same. America.gov no longer exists. The website was shuttered, I think, um, some I think during Obama's second term. They it, it's now called Share America. So if you Google Share America, it's like the rebranding of what I was working on. Oh, okay. Interesting. How long did you do that for? Uh so let's see here. 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 months. That's crazy. I had no idea this even existed. Yeah, most people don't. And the reason why is because up up until recently, what we created was not for the American public. What we created was for an international youth demographic. So our target audience were international youth. That all changed in 2012 when 
the, I forget the name of the act, but it was previously illegal for the State Department to release propaganda to the American public until 2012 when that law was nixed. And so now they can actively release what they create to the American public. They can completely do that. All the gloves are off. Propaganda, bring it. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. I asked you to come on for so we could talk about some UFO. When did you get involved? Is that when you got involved with the UFO stuff? Was at the State Department? No, I mean, so there's two answers to that. One is I've always kind of been into UFOs. I mean, ever since I was like a little kid, mm-hmm. um, like a very little kid, like I, I saw ET. This is how old I am, by the way. <laughs> I saw ET in the movie th- in the movie theaters. Oh wow! When it when it came out, I mean, I was only like four, but. Right. Um, I was obsessed. I wanted an ET buddy. So like when I was a little kid, I was just like, I really want an alien buddy. Just like <laughs> Elliot. Had. Oh yeah. I was like obsessed. With, yeah. I was like obsessed with that con that concept. And, uh, I, 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 I remember going to the library when I was, I want to say 10, 11 or 12. And I would check out all the nonfiction books on UFOs and, and aliens. And oh. I mean, I would, I, I checked out Stanton Friedman's uh, Crash at Corona book, which is his Roswell book, when I was like 12. It's like heavy reading, but I was like obsessed. Did you understand then, like, it? Yeah. I, well, I wanted to. Okay. You know, I really dug into I took my time with it. You know, right. I think that's why my parents got racked up late library bills because <laughs> – I took a lot of time with it, but um, the older I got, so when I became a adult, I focused my efforts and passions to filmmaking, documentaries, and UFOs just like drifted into the memories of my childhood. I kind of like left that alone into my childhood Mm -hmm. and moved on with my life. And in 2003, I witnessed a UFO uh, in Utah, in Provo, Utah. And that kind of like reignited some interest. And but it wasn't really until 20 December 2017 when the New York Times broke the story about the Pentagon's UFO program where I was like, holy crap, can I cuss on this show? Oh yeah. I can. I was like, holy shit, like this is real. All the stuff that I like from my childhood dreams, it wait, this it's on the cover of the New York Times. <laughs> like yes. this is real. So that's when it really started becoming a real thing for me. Can you tell me um about your experience in Utah? I'm broadcasting from Utah. Provo, Utah. It was a triangle, right? You covered this in one of your basement office episodes. But can you tell everybody a little yeah. bit about that? Sure. So at the point that I saw my UFO in November 2003 in Provo, Utah. I was still at the time technically a Mormon, a member of the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. The Mormon church makes their own feature films. Maybe people don't know that, but they have their own movie studio. They make million dollar movies oh, with wow. the target audience being only members of the church. So mm. I was a production assistant on one of these movies um, in Provo, Utah. The Mormon church owns a massive film studio they have airport hangar size studios wow. and they were doing interior shoots on this specific night and i was guarding the entrance to this studio so i was just outside the studio a little red light was on mm-hmm. and the red light means don't come in we're filming and and they put me out there to make sure double check that no one comes in while they film <laughs> so i'm standing out there for like an hour or two and it's November in Utah. So it's cold. cold yeah. And yeah. And so I'm, I'm sitting out there or standing out there actually. And I was texting on my little flip phone at the time I was texting and 
just kind of bored, actually. And my mind was drifting. And then something caught my eye. And I looked up and in the southern part of the sky, I look up, so I'm facing east. So I'm I'm facing the mountain range there. I'm, I'm facing Y Mountain. If you're familiar with uh, Provo, the big mountain with the capital Y on it, I'm facing that mountain. And in, I see a triangle, a black triangle at a body. So if you put two sticks together, there wasn't a body in the middle, just two sticks, black and blue lights on the bottom of it. And there were low hanging clouds, those really thin, fast moving clouds, you know, they're like maybe 2000 feet up. This sucker was under the clouds. So it wasn't like way up there. So fairly low. And fairly low. And because of that, I was able to get a pretty good look at it. And it wasn't moving that fast. So this isn't like some supersonic thing I was looking at. It wasn't a jet. And it was just slowly moving from south to north against the wind. So the wind was blowing east to west. And this was flying through the wind. And I thought for the first maybe 10, eight to 10 seconds, it was a B-2 bomber because it had the outline of a B-2 bomber. Right. But B-2 bombers are jets and they're loud. And when this sucker got above me and then passed me, it made zero sound, not a sound, not a hum, nothing, nothing. And at that point, I remember clearly this like cold, scared feeling kind of like washed over me. It was like this unnatural feeling. And I was like, wait, is that a balloon? It can't be a balloon because it's flying through the wind. It's solid. It's a solid craft. Um, what am I, what the hell am I looking at? Right. You know, and it just disappeared into the, the Northern hemisphere. And then I remember right as it disappeared, the red light outside the door went blink. It went off and the door opened and the casting crew is coming out. And that it like snapped me out of this like stupor that I was in. I was like in this daze. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, crap. I got to get back to work. <laughs> and I remember I went in and I went up to my assistant director and I said, I think I just saw a UFO. And they were like, wait, what? And I was like, no, seriously, just outside. I think I saw a UFO. And everyone was busy making the movie that they didn't really, like, no one really listened to me. Right. And, you know, I spent the next few hours going, okay, well, maybe, you know, Hill Air Force Base is, you know, hop, skip and a jump from this location um it could be that uh area 51 is due west from where i was so maybe it was a secret whatever but i couldn't comprehend how something that large moving that slow could fly through the wind without making any sound because energy propulsion makes noise and i just couldn't to this day i can't explain what it was you couldn't make out a shape you could just see the lights and Two sticks it was triangular. Together. Yeah, two sticks. I, it was low enough where it, it, especially when it got directly above me and I could look right up at it, it looked like just two um, sticks together that formed a a a, tri- a wide triangle, but there was no back and there was no middle. Two black sticks flying through the sky with blue lights on the bottom. How long do you say it's up there? Do you have any recollection of time? Yeah. So I want to say like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, like uh, 20 seconds. Wow. That's a long time for a sighting. Yep. From, from the time I saw it over to my right, which would have been the South to the time it kind of disappeared into the mist slash clouds to the North. 
Yeah, about 20 seconds. That's, it is a long time. Does it fade away when it leaves? Does it fade away or does it shoot off somewhere? No, it never increases speed ever. It was just moving at one constant slowish speed. That is bonkers. Yeah. Have you seen anything else other than that? I have not, no. Okay. And you, you mentioned you were a big fan of Stanton Friedman. Can you explain who Dr. Friedman is? Sure. So uh, Stan Friedman is one of the top names in ufology when it comes to the study, the academic, deep uh, researching and investigating UFOs for decades. Uh, Stanton recently passed away in the last few years, but for the heyday of UFOs, you know, coming out of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, he was like the leading guy. Um, I mean, just tons of investigations uh, he did, turning over every rock uh, that he could and wrote books, published papers. He was um, a big name in ufology. Yeah. And way ahead of his time, I think, also. It was, yes. This was when it was ridiculed. This wasn't, you know, current. Totally. He actually found quite a bit of people that had foreign implants in their body he would find. Are you familiar with any of that? I'm familiar with the, um, you know, the concept of alien abduction implants, you know, things like that. And it's not a handful of people. There are a lot of people who claim this happened to them and that they're, they are finding foreign objects. Yes. In their skin. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Okay. So you have your experience in 2003. So now you're, are you with the New York post before you start the UFO series? Oh yes, I am. I'm with them. I started working for the post in 2014. Okay. So you're there 2014. What are you working on? Uh, generally not UFOs. (laughs) (laughs) Is what I'm generally working on is the opposite of UFOs. Okay. All right. So the opposite of it. So then 2017, does that give you the courage to maybe pitch the idea for the basement office or how does this come about? It was weird because um, it was in 2017 when that story hit and the folks around me, you know, in the newsroom are going, wait, what? Right. Um, there, There was a lot of confusion on how to handle the story because up to that point, you know, it was usually handled with a wink or a nod or laugh or sure. a joke. And here's the Times and the Washington Post and Politico, like all taking it seriously. So as like new UFO stories started to come out, you know, after December 2017, people would, you know, slowly but surely start turning to me to ask my opinion, my insight. Um, because, you know, up until this point, I had not like openly admitted that I was super into UFOs. Mm. Um, and then so we did a few videos. You know, I'm a video producer. I'm not like I'm not a writer. That's not my role at the post. I make videos for the post. So uh, I, we did a couple videos on UFOs, the Navy UFO sightings, um, the International Space Station, seeing weird stuff in the sky. And we started to notice internally that those videos would do super well because people were searching for information on UFOs, especially mm-hmm. on YouTube. It was just like big search. Like everyone wanted to know what was going on. So they came to me and they said, Hey, this is a, a big search thing. People are looking for this content. Um, can you pitch us an idea for a UFO show? And I said, okay. And I came up with the basement office, which is, you know, my, my initial thing was I didn't want to do a history channel, discovery channel type UFO show, which is melodrama and like 
super dramatic recreations and bombastic music and like ridiculous like visual effects tentacles and just absolutely bonkers stuff i wanted to do the antithesis the antithesis of that i wanted to do just two dudes at a desk talking about the facts of ufos that's it like that's all i wanted to do i absolutely owe the new york post so much credit for going with that i think it was like a really good journalistic approach and like they greenlit it and they gave me you know, support and time and resources to kind of like make the set, build the set and make it happen. And it's just, I mean, the rest is history. The show has just been a great reception to the show. I think it's a breath of fresh air to those who are used to the like melodrama coverage of this topic. It's, it, you know, I try to keep it level-headed. Yeah. And you do. It's amazing. I think it's the most in-depth, like it's the most interesting, that's for sure too, because you look at it, you don't, you're not mocking it, you're taking it seriously, but you're also taking the other side of it, you know, that it could be a rock or, you know, whatever, which I really like. And you do most of the shows with Nick Pope. Can you explain who mm -hmm. Nick Pope is? He's this legendary figure out of England. Yeah, so Nick Pope, you know, he is a former employee of the UK's Ministry of Defense, which is like the British version of our Department of Defense. And um, in the early 90s, Nick says that he was assigned to the UFO desk. He handled the UFO sightings and UFO investigations um, for the Ministry of Defense. And so from his lofty position, he says he was uh, came into contact with, you know, specific evidence and stories and, 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 and research that, you know, uh, led him to believe there was something out there. Yes. And he's very good. <laughs> like you can tell he's, he's a government guy, you know, he's a, he's a company guy. He's very good at saying stuff, but not saying stuff at the same time. Has that ever been frustrating <laughs> for you? No, I, I think the opposite because a lot of times when, especially with this topic, you want to get it, you want to get down to its core. Sure. You don't want to spend 10 minutes saying or describing something that you can say in 30 seconds. And Nick is like an, a God at doing that. Nick is able to get something and verbalize something quick, precise, and direct. And like, that's what I love about him because I do tend to just kind of ramble <laughs> <laughs> and Nick, Nick will keep it short and precise and, and directed and, and, and that's great. He is so good. I, yeah. I just want to know what he knows, though. I just want to know. Yeah. And, you know, it seems uh, what was interesting, and this comes up in a few episodes, is his job. Part of his job was to downplay and suppress UFO information to the public. Like mm. he, he worked in the British version of the Pentagon and the Pentagon, you know, it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that the Pentagon downplays and suppresses information about UFOs. They just do. Right. And he was that guy. Like Nick Pope was part Fox Mulder, part cigarette smoking man. Like he was <laughs> a little of both. And so I, I love that about him. And I love that I get to get that point of view. Yeah. How did you get him on there? Cold email. Literally. Really? Like we, we sent an email, I think to five or seven uh, big names in ufology and not really thinking any of them would reply. And Nick replied enthusiastically. He came out, we shot one episode and it 
originally we, we were just going to have him in, in one or maybe two episodes. And then our chemistry, like the way we're able to like balance off each other, was just so good that we we're just like, no, you're like the permanent co-host of the show now. And he's perfect. Yeah. You two, the chemistry is off the charts. It's so good. Yeah. Was it instant? Do you think? It was. Nick's able to flow. Like he, you know, Nick's obviously got media training. He's been in ancient aliens. He's been in a million shows. So he's got that media training on, on how to react to a question or to a conversation. And so we didn't have to do a lot of cut. Let's restart cut. Let's re say this. Like we didn't have to do that. We like what you see in the show is more or less how the conversation went down. It was just beat by beat by beat and the flow. We bounced off each other so well that, that that he was, it was just no duh. It was like, there was no debate on whether he would stay on. Right. And why do you think now, because after, like you were talking about, he was kind of the downplay guy. And for 80 years, our government also has been, I feel, in my opinion, been hiding this stuff and covering it up. So why all of a sudden now? Why do you think now it's all coming out? That's a really good question, man. And if you want to like answer that, if to answer that question, like directly, um, it's, it's as simple as this. Marketing. When you you can sell anything, you can sell any brand or anything if you play it the right way. If the New York Times front pages your Shark Tank product, there's going to be a ton of a, a tidal wave of interest in whatever that is. Right. Whether it's UFOs or the next cool bean bean bag, it's going to if that if you get it in the cover of the New York Times, it's a done deal. Right. So. To logistically and just logically, I mean, to logically answer that question is uh, UFO activists got their uh, story to the front page of the New York Times. That's the reason why we're talking right now. It's because right. uh, th those who want, who believe that the government is covering up the existence of uh, UFOs in something extraordinary, um, convinced those at the Times and Washington Post and Politico and CNN that this was a story worth telling. And once it's told that it's hard to get that cat back in the bag. Uh, so that's why we're logically where we're at. Now, the second part to that answer is that those like Lou Elizondo or Chris Mellon or Leslie Keen, uh, these people honestly believe that the government is withholding and has been withholding extraordinary stuff so that's something that the public deserves an answer to yeah it are they or aren't they so yeah that's that's where we're at right now yeah i i agree with that and lou uh elizondo he was the former head of a tip which was the investigative wing of ufos correct like this is there before there was blue book back in the what 60s 70s i believe their whole job was to debunk everything everything that people saw was to debunk it how was a tip different from that do you think okay so a tip was different uh because it 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 didn't care about Mom, mom and pop in Kansas who saw the UFO. It didn't care about the college student who saw a saucer on his way, on his drive home. It didn't care about any of that. ATIP was focused on military and government UFO encounters. So Lou only, only focused on Navy pilots who saw UFOs, uh, Navy shipmen who witnessed UFOs. Uh, it was all um, military stuff. So the other contract that the Pentagon contracted out, which was called OSOP, 
not ATIP, but the ALSOP contract, which went to Robert Bigelow and his Bass Company, they were they focused on the mom and pop sightings, the you know Joe Bloss uh, sightings. But ATIP was an internal Pentagon military uh, military sightings operation. Okay, and and Lou is behind the three big drops that changed ufology forever right back in 2017 can you can you go into those big three that changed our world forever okay so we're talking about the three now infamous navy videos black and white FLIR camera um that supposedly allegedly show what they call unidentified aerial phenomena which is the the government's new term for ufos and these were unclassified videos. These weren't highly classified top secret videos. Mm. Uh, And Lou filed the official paperwork to have these videos released. He filed that paperwork. You could go online and read that paperwork has been released. And apparently, according to the people who tell the story, these videos were released and uh, were given to, I believe, if I know the story correctly, Chris Mellon, who was the former deputy director of the defense intelligence agency who was then a now a civilian um and those videos were then given to to the stars academy which was tom DeLong's ufo company and then they uh you know released the video in coordinates with the new york times what are your thoughts on those three videos what do you think is behind okay so uh other than the gimbal video, so the gimbal video is that saucer-looking thing that rotates. Mm-hmm. Other than that video, I don't think I'm looking at, at anything extraordinary. I'm not looking at anything other otherworldly at all. Um, and it, there's a debate to be had on whether the object in the gimbal video that looks like a saucer only looks like a saucer because of the FLIR distortion. Right? You're, you're seeing basically heat signatures and whether those heat signatures are like portraying a shape that isn't really the shape of the object being filmed. Now, what fascinates me about the videos is the audio. When you hear Navy pilots and trained military men going what the hell is that oh my god there's a whole fleet of them when you hear that and 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 these are people who are trained to identify threats identify stuff in the sky these are people who fly for a living these are who people day in and day out all they do is fly around and see stuff when they're amazed when they're blown away when you hear that that makes me go, okay, maybe this is something not normal. Right. That's a great point. I, f- I feel kind of the same way. I don't think I don't think they necessarily show anything. The gimbal one, I think, is the most fascinating because if you follow the Bob Lazar story, it's exactly how he has described these how these things fly that he worked on. Uh-huh. But the story behind it, like when you hear Colonel F- uh, Fravor tell the story about the Tic Tac one, that's far more interesting than the, what the video shows. So I think, is there a bigger part of the video that hasn't been released yet or that will be released, do you think? I know for a fact, and I interviewed uh, direct eyewitnesses, uh, Navy men who were on board the Princeton, um, who were in the room, in the CIC, and they saw the live feed of uh, specifically the Tic Tac video. And 
the Tic Tac video, only 60 seconds has been ever released. No one's ever seen beyond 60 seconds. But they were saying the full video is like 12 minutes oh, long. Wow. The actual video is 12 minutes long. So, yeah, I think for each of those videos, much longer versions and higher res versions exist. Oh. I, so, yeah. Oh, there's higher resolution video that exists. Of course. What you're looking at are like uploads of uploads of compressed YouTube videos the direct you know the navy's video systems the uncompressed versions would be much higher res in fact the navy witnesses i spoke to said it was crystal clear oh my the tic tac was crystal clear no way and that's the one that goes underwater and out and drops eighty thousand feet in what a half a second or or something crazy like that Oh my god. Exactly. Gosh. Do you think we'll ever get that video? Dude, I hope so. I mean, it's just so we can put to bed cuz this I mean, honestly, man, these videos were made for skeptics. It's easy for a skeptic to look at these videos and say there's nothing extraordinary at all in any of these videos. Yeah. And they have a good fucking point because <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't that's really true. they don't show anything like thousands of years in the future. I'm not looking at some kind of warp bubble extraterrestrial crap i'm looking at some blurry thing that might be moving fast and performing weirdly but i don't know so yeah if the if the full video high-res videos were released it could put to bed all of that how do you feel about bob lazar bob lazar is the reason we know about area 51 he says he back engineered crafts uh back in the 80s i want to say 80s or 90s and he thought they were going to kill him so he came out and came public with all this stuff. What are your thoughts about Bob? Two things. One, 